Jason. It's your co-host Noah. Noah Marger. You know that new sound you've been looking for? Uh-huh. Well, listen to this. <laughs> Way down in old Chicago, past the Mississippi, past Bucktown, Garfield Park, even Cabrini Green. There stood a townhouse made of brick and wood. There lived a podcaster named Mason B. Good. He never ever learned to read or write so well, but he spit on a kid and now he's going to hell. Go, go! Go, Mason, go! Go! Go, Mason, go! Go! Go, Mason, go, go, go! Go, Mason, go! Go! Go, Mason, be good! He used to carry his mic in a fanny pack Recording his room while Zoom fucking crashed Oh, people gather round just to hear him talk The way he spoke on Arthur making folks the squeak and squawk fuck The people passing by would stop and mod I've never seen a city boy do that on a pod Go, go! Go, Mason, go! Go! Go, Mason, go! Go! Go, Mason, go, go, go! Go, Mason, go! 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 Mason, be good! Uh, the thing that they'd never seen a city boy do on a pod was jack off. They'd never seen him jack off on a yeah, pod. Yeah, so. hard to see somebody jack off on a pod. Yeah, we're actually, we actually have a lot more of the song to go. This is just a big instrumental break. So. Oh, is there really? I actually don't. Yeah, there's just a big instrumental break. Oh, we're actually coming okay. up on the halfway point right here. We're mm. actually at the halfway point of the instrumental mm. break right here. Okay. You having a good week? I'm having a great time, buddy. This has been a blast, and I can't believe there's I can't hear a fucking word you're saying because of the music that I'm listening to on my end. We're actually about to go into the third verse, so here we go. His mother told him, Sunday you will grow a goatee, and you will do a podcast with the funny baby. Many people tuning in from miles around to hear you talk music and movies with the big old sound. Maybe someday you'll have a Patreon saying it's on the list is creating podcasts. Go, Mason, go! Go! Go, 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 Mason, go! Go! Go, 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 Mason, go, go. Go, 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 Mason, go, go. Go. Mason, be good. Ha! Fuck. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> was that fun for you? That was so fun. I'm so, I'm so up, proud of you. I fucked up one time. And the actual, the way, it was a really tough one. I got it really good. No one gives a shit that I, that I got it good when I was rehearsing it. But the line is supposed to be, the way he spoke on art made the folks squeak and squawk. That was what the line was supposed to be. I, it, in it was communicated. It was communicated. I felt it. I felt Thank it. Thank God. And I appreciate it. That's so, that was so fun. I'm so, <laughs> that was so yeah. fun. I, it was crazy, dude. It was fucked yeah. up. Yeah, I, I feel like your love language is parody songs, you know? Yeah, when, I, when you take and the And then quiz, acts of service, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first it was parody songs, then it was act of, services, act of service. Then it was weirdly, like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what the third one was supposed to be. I was trying to come up with something good right off the top, but I'm feeling insane right now yeah, is what it's, I'm feeling. It, it, I, we just need to take a second and just come down from that parody song. It was a full <laughs> parody song. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, well, I can't wait to hear it again while I'm editing this is all I'm trying to say. It was, a, it was um... is that is that better than... Um... The the what was the name of the song that I did for the for the one year was it Mr. Bright yeah Mr. Brightside was it better than Mr. Brightside oh. you think 
Because I think that one might be I think the just for what side. that one accomplishes. I think I, that one might be better. That has to be no, no, no. For me, uh, that would be maybe that should be Patreon content too. Is just the collected <laughs> parody works of Noah Marger, <laughs> the volume one. <laughs> oh yeah. And then every every like six months, it's a new volume that rolls out, and you know you got the guys who. Uh, you got the guys who just fucking subscribe once for the volumes <laughs> yeah. of the parody songs. Yeah. Then they leave, and their reasoning for leaving is, I got what I needed from the Patreon. And then they fucking leave, and they stop supporting our terrible habit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the... Yes. We should... I mean, um, we should cut, make sure that... Yes, yes, yes. This podcast is a drug, and we should get as far away from any enablers as we can. This um, podcast is a drug, and guess what? I can hmm. stop anytime I want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't need your you pod, to tell me. Your pod, your pod is my drug. Your pod. No. Your pod. No. <laughs> no. No. Fucking evil, dude. Yeah. 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 I'm happy. Well, I couldn't. I couldn't hear you uh, over the music actually because it was very loud and I had to focus. But mm, mm-hmm. you having a good week, actually. I am actually having a good week. I'm having a pretty good, pretty solid week. Uh, we got a lot of snow in Chicago. It's beautiful to look at. It's not as fun to be out in, but it's a lot sure. of fun uh, to, just to be able to to cozy up. It's cozy season. I can't. I I love it. I love it. I love it. How are you doing, buddy? How was your week? You know, it was it was a pretty good week. I'm not gonna lie. You know, some things that had to get done got done, and those were good. I'm glad that those Ooh. things got done. It actually snowed here, believe it or not, as well. It snowed so, just about everywhere, as far as I understand it. They even got snow in Southern California, I heard. Even on the moon? <laughs> even on the moon it snowed, too? Yes, it snows Parmesan cheese. Oh, fuck. Okay, guys, that's it. I don't think we're going to do any better than that. The moon, it snows Parmesan cheese. Why? Because the moon is made of Swiss cheese or something yes. like that? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You got cool. the joke. Cool. Very cool. But, yeah, it actually did snow here. and it did. Oh, I cool. saw someone's snaps. Uh, or not snaps. Fuck, one of my 21-year-old college students. Um, saw on someone's Instagram story that it was snowing in Burbank, and I was like, that's epic. That's awesome. Yeah. It doesn't really do that down there. No. It's, uh, from what I understand, it's very fun to be in Los Angeles um, currently. Currently. From like, what it's I fun understand? To be, like, it's fun to be anywhere currently, you know? Well, you know, it's interesting. I read something, uh, and this is not going to date well. This is probably also not even in good taste, but I'm going <laughs> to say it anyway. It could have been snow that was falling from the sky in Burbank, I, or mm-hmm. it could have been the ashes from the uh, crematorium that were falling from the sky in Burbank. So who's to say? <sighs> it's... it's fucking nuts. It's fucking, it's so, it's fun to be alive. It's fun. I'm having a great time seeing this on Instagram every single day, just how, how, how fun everything is. Turning it, tuning into social media these, these days, when I was growing up, tuning into social media was fun. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. now these days yeah. you turn in and it's just like, you just see the most horrible thing you've seen since yesterday. I yeah, mean, like, truly. like, like them doing surgery on a grape. Okay, I heard they did surgery on a grape. That's pretty cool. I also heard that if you're, I also heard, I also, I also heard that if your face is, if your hand is bigger than your face, that you have cancer. Do you want to check that out real, real quick? Yeah, yeah. Hold on a second. Okay. Bam! 
Bam! I, oh just pushed your hand. I just pushed your hand into your face. Sorry. Wow. It's, must have, my you know hand what's, you know what's even better? You know what's even better than a Zoom bit is a Zoom podcast bit. That is true. That is fucking true. Yeah. I could literally also, you know, it'd be great also if we we're going to add to the Zoom podcast bit. Go ahead and do this to your <laughs> face so that I can't poke you in the eyes with both the fucking fingers. I have to go. I have to choose. Whoa, which, what am I going to do? You know? Damn. Yeah. It's, it's man. This, the Three Stooges were perfect for a pre-pandemic age. You think that the Stooges are going to age well once we're on the other side of this? Uh... I think that if the Stooges were around today, uh, they'd be on Parlor. <laughs> That's what I think. Like the Stooges oh would be on Parlor doing guy humor, okay, that those oh, libtard sure. snowflakes can't handle. You know what I mean? Definitely, definitely. You're right. You're right. Um, they would definitely be. Yes, I agree. Okay, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to It's on the List with Noah and Mason. This is the show about underrated albums, movies, a little bit. Of every- I get a little of everything on this show. Yeah. I'm Noah, the funny talking baby. And I'm here with always, as always, funny talking dog, Mason. Hi, Mason. Hey, buddy. Happy show. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, pal. Yeah. No, happy show, buddy. It's good to see you. Good to see you as always. We did actually, audience, have a. Uh, usually I only see Noah once a week on our Thursday night records. Peek back behind right. the curtain. This is, a rare, this is a rare time when I saw Noah twice in one week. Very because, fucked up that because, this happened, but yeah, what happened? Uh, so I was clocking off of work, and I'm working from home. So for that, I just slam the slam my laptop shut, and then usually I go out and check the mail. And I had been chatting with Noah uh, over uh, Facebook Messenger. Yep. And as I was getting up to do that, I must have bumped the FaceTime button. <laughs> and through so, Facebook Messenger of all of Through all Facebook things, Messenger. Yeah. And so... I don't know that I do this until I hear some sort of like low grumble coming from my pocket. <laughs> oh. And I'm like, the neighbors are being very loud. And then I'm like, wait, that's coming from me. What's going on here? And I pull my phone out of my pocket and my buddy Noe's face is looking right at me. And then you thought and he to yourself, looks like he's on a, a walk. No- <laughs> is that a Noah in my pocket or am I just happy to see me? Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, exactly. But, um, yeah, that was a nice thing that happened this week. That's why I'm feeling good. I think. Because you little... got because you accidentally called me via Facebook Messenger, which is the premier yeah. communication service of yeah. the internet. Yeah, it was just yeah. nice to nice. The, the, the life for me is very routinous right now. Very routine. I have the same time I get up every day. I have yeah. basically the same schedule, uh, same week, which is its benefits. I like the feeling of a routine. However, um, it's fun to break it. And see it's fun friends. to break that routine, yeah. just absolutely throw yourself into a fucking spiral, just absolutely mm-hmm. lose all control of what you had in your other routine, mm-hmm. and just absolutely you just reestablish yeah. everything in your life. Yeah, which is fitter, what you did this happier, week. Happier, right? more. Yeah, I'm fitter, happier, more productive. A rat in a cage on antibiotics, all those good things. Despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. Mason despite got glasses all, on. Despite all my rage, I'm still just Nicolas Cage. Oh, 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 oh epic. Oh, 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 oh. Um, Mason, have you ever been to Bucktown, <laughs> which I, which I noted in the song? Uh, I have, I have, I walk through Bucktown a lot and I had friends that lived in Bucktown in college. Um, and Garfield park. Uh, yes. I've been to the conservatory there and that's mo- basically my only interaction with, with Garfield park is from the conservatory, which 
is beautiful. 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 And Cabrini Green is featured in the movie Candyman. Have you ever been to Cabrini Green? Uh, they tore the, those um, housing developments down, but I have walked past the um, neighborhood where it was. Yes. Um, That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, fucked up they tore those those the towers down. Uh, but we don't have to get into that right now. This is not the housing and development <laughs> podcast. I just wanted to know if you knew where what I was referencing in I the did. fucking song. I did. I did cool. know what you were referencing. But uh, I, how what were those polls? How did you pull those three things for your... <laughs> I googled neighborhoods in Chicago. And it's interesting to me having been lived in L.A. for a little bit. I'll be coming back. I want to make that very clear. I'm coming yes, back to L.A. when we things are safe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I lived in L.A. Everyone, They got a bunch of neighborhoods in L.A. Been to New York. Everyone knows the famous neighborhoods in New York. But Chicago's like, you know, the third biggest city in the United States, all, you know, things considered. And I don't know hardly any neighborhoods mm. in Chicago at all. I know Logan Square because someone I know lives in Logan Square. Uh, Mason and I know like Lincoln Park and that's it because yeah, Lincoln sh- Park sure. is the name of a band and sure. I was like what is Lincoln Park oh it's a neighborhood in Chicago it's just not spelled the same I thought that they were they named it after a neighborhood in St. or a park in New York or St. Louis I didn't think that it was a Chicago related Lincoln the band Lincoln Park one day I, I looked know. up what Whatever. is Lincoln Park it and been. it came up as a neighborhood in Chicago I'm sure there's Whatever. other Lincoln yeah. Parks in the United States but that's true I was that's like true. there's and then Cabrini Green I knew from Candyman. And that was it. Yeah. Uh, And I was like, why don't people know the neighborhoods of Chicago? Well, guess what? Hmm. They're kind of boringly named. (laughs) That's probably why. I think if they know one, it's like like The Loop. uh, And Wrigleyville. And Wrigleyville, yeah. The stuff from like the John Hughes movies. Um, A lot of them are very functional. I I love some of the neighborhood names in Chicago. I love um, like Pilsen uh, has, has a great neighborhood name, I think. Um... Is there a place Portage called Park. Little Village? There is Little Village. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. There is a Little Village. That's that's a cute name. It is a cute name. I think that's where they filmed the bakery scenes in um, Stranger Than Fiction, but I could be Let's wrong. fucking go. Hell yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, that is a cute neighborhood. My my um, great-grandmother and, yes. that's, and uh, my grandma and my uncle, uh, they lived in the Back of the Yards neighborhood. I always liked that name, too. The south back side of, of the yards. Yeah, wow. south side of Chicago. Okay. Back of the yards. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Well, Mason, mm-hmm. no one gives a shit about the neighborhoods nope. of Chicago, I think. No. Uh, so yeah. why, don't, why don't we They've start... already tuned up, turned off the podcast at this point. We, there's no pressure. <laughs> if you're still with us and you're like, oh, fuck yes, they're finally talking about <laughs> the neighborhoods in Chicago, uh, you're welcome to the one person who liked that. But for everybody else... Uh, we're, we got, we got just the solo bolo show today. Just the fucking mm-hmm. boys. Just the boys. Uh, we got a Mason album and a Noah movie. Uh, let's just go fucking go into this. Mason, what let's... are we talking about today on the, mo- on the, uh, music end of things? Music end of things. 2018. Um, uh, the album us by Empress of snap, 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 snap. Perfect. Noah. Yeah. Do you have any history with this artist? Here's what's up. Here's yeah. what's up with this. Hell yeah. So Mason and I, peek behind the production curtain, screech, scram, crunch, go to the hospital, <laughs> broken leg. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> oh it's an iron curtain that we keep the production behind. Yeah. Slam, fuck. That's what that happens when you open the production curtain. <laughs> um, but Mason and I have a running list, a Google Doc, of a bunch of things that we could talk about on the show. Movies, albums, things that you guys have suggested that you want to hear talked about on the show that we will never talk about. Uh, but, they're the, but they're on the list for yeah. potentially being talked about. Uh, and I'll sometimes look at Mason's, I'll screen peek, I'll look at Mason's list, because mm. uh, mm-hmm. you have to scroll down to get to Mason's list, part of his, the Mason's section of the list. And this name has always stuck out to me on your music list, because it sounds like, I, I didn't know who this person was, I didn't know if it was a full band, I didn't know if it was one person, mm-hmm. I didn't know what kind of music it was, but my assumption what i thought it was having known nothing about empress of prior mm-hmm. to today's record or this week i guess is i thought it was going to be atonal experimental like against all logic type music maybe a okay. little bit more like weird and out there than that some I, real that's what nerd I thought shit it was gonna be yes truly i thought it was yeah, truly sure. going to be some like deep hipster like real like Arty stuff is what I thought mm. it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So when I turned on Us by Empress of 2018, shocked to find that it's actually fairly poppy and fairly like, quote unquote, normal <laughs> sounding <laughs> for lack of a Yeah, term. yeah, yeah. Real so. people music. Exactly. People that actually yeah, exist yeah. <laughs> in the flesh and blood and not, yeah. you know, zeros and ones running through your fucking gateway com- school computer that you're using to download, you know, yeah, the yeah. fucking Legend of Bagger Vance in the back of the school. <laughs> what a pull. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm glad that it was like, I can kind of, I understand that. And I, knowing that, I'm just imagining like you like being in this kind of like hesitancy or this anticipation of this being like, uh, I don't know, like metal machine music, but backwards, basically, where it's just like, yes, like pots and pans, and then um, everything to me starts, and it's just like kind of little bouncy, yep, fun, kind of like love song, just like that. You're just like kind of, you just have to kind of like just move your shoulders up and down and bounce to. So that was what I thought I was getting into. And then when we actually, you know, get into the album, it's, I call it dance pop. I don't know if that's a real term. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a term I made up, but that's what I think of when I think of this album in both listening to it and as I reflect on it. But I had no experience with Empress of prior to listening to this. Uh, So this was my first real dig into it. But what is your relationship to this and yeah. why did you bring it on the show so i had seen empress of at the smallest um tent or stage in pitchfork 2014 i don't think she oh, had wow. yeah her it was in anticipation of her first album me <clears throat> which came out the year after and i remember being there and i was like i kind of can dig this um but it's not something that I'm going to like, it's, it's, I can kind of dig this. It's kind of bouncy, but it wasn't like my big sort of takeaway from that day at that time. Um, and I kind of dismissed her. The first album came out. I don't think I listened to it in 2015. And then at some point in 2016, um, because like you, I think that name is very striking. I think it's a great name. It's, um, it is driven from the tarot deck. Um, but, um, I saw that name again. It was the, her single in 2016, uh, Woman is a Word, uh, which is a, a, just a tremendous little um, kind of 
synthy um, pop uh, number uh, sure. that I was really, really into. I think probably July or August of 2016. Um, and then I'm kind of just coasting, you know, going through my life. I, I listened to that song and I think I listened to me a couple times, but it doesn't really stick. Sure. Uh, and then in August of 2018, I am uh, at my job, at my production company job, just listening to yep. music, doing what I was basically – that's what I was doing at that time, just sitting there listening to music. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, I see that Ampersov has a new single, and it's a song when I'm with him. Uh, and I listen to it, and I am just, like, smitten. <laughs> basically, sure. I'm a little smitten mitten for that song. Um, and so I listened to the album when it came out. And I really liked it at that time. And then I just found myself returning to um, the album periodically and to the point where I'm just kind of like, man, like this is just a song that makes me feel really good every time I I listen to it. And um, it just seems like no one's one's talking about it, man. Uh, Fast forward to 2020. She has an album come out called Empress Of uh, that's also incredible. Uh, and I think I could bring on the show as well, but um, this is a story for another time. And it just kind of served to bounce, bounce me back to us. And yeah, and then I saw it on the list and I thought, it'd be nice to listen to this album again. It'd be nice to show it to my friend Noe. And it'd be, yeah. So that's my story with Empress of and this that is some album. fucking swag, dude. As far as yeah, I'm brother, concerned. that is some yeah. that is that is some fucking swag, Mason. <laughs> so excellent. Well, Mason. I'm going to tell you something right now. Sure. Uh, I kind of think this album as a whole mm-hmm. is a little boring. Okay. That's kind of where I'm at with this album. I don't have a lot of strong feelings toward it, which I know is like the thing you're not supposed to say <laughs> when you're doing a podcast. You're supposed to have like a strong no, you, that's your feeling honest, about No, it. no. You're just supposed to have your honest reaction to something. Yeah. But I, yes, amen. A fucking men. You're exactly right. You're just supposed to have your honest reaction to something. So that's what I'm going to have. I think as a whole, this is a little boring for me. Okay. It's a little, just a little, it feels a little by the book, a little by the numbers as far as like, I feel like I could turn on the radio and most of the songs on this sort of just sound like other things that I would have heard on the radio in and around that time. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but it just doesn't stand out to me personally a whole lot. Uh, There's two songs that I did enjoy on this album. One easily, I think, is easily the best song on the album, and that is something that you just said, which is the song When I'm With Him. Yeah. I think that is, like, far and away the best song on the album. And I re- and I gave it the little heart. And I was like, you know what? This is a song that I, like kind of the, in a similar vein to like how I didn't love the Indigo D'Souza album as a whole, but I love mm-hmm. how to get myself, how I get myself killed. I could yeah. see myself coming back to when I'm with him mm-hmm. and nothing else on the album, potentially. So okay. that's kind of where I'm at. I also liked the song Love For Me. Because it sounds, mm. it's the fourth mm. track on the mm. album, and everything else up until then, it, it just kind of all sounded the same. It was a little bit like, you know, I felt just sort of basic as far as the sonic qualities of what I'm hearing. <laughs> okay. You know, I guess for lack of a better term, I just didn't find it very interesting. And then you hear that song in order, you know, it's the fourth track, and you've heard three other things that, in my opinion, just sort of sound homogenous in that way. 
of mm-hmm. everything. Like, they all sound homogenous within each other. And that one sounded a little more sonically varied than I was used to. And I think it's an all right song. So that I also gave a little heart. But other than that, I'm not really feeling this album on the whole. But beside all that, what do you like about this album for, like, in the, on the whole, I guess? On the whole, um, I think in 2020 <laughs> or 2021, in yes. this weird time that we're in, um, what I liked most uh, was hearing an album from the recent past and it being kind of about just very small scale um I don't want to say small scale feelings but I this is I think that this album is very um intimate in a way that I sure. appreciate and is about I think listening to this now I heard a lot of sort of themes of just like kind of trying to you know figure out what's good for yourself <laughs> figure okay, out sure. what's good for um you know a relationship or other people and knowing how to give and take around all of that. Um, and just listening to this album now and hearing, um, you know, just a song about having kind of a circular argument uh, <laughs> or just like a song like When I'm With Him, which is a just a tremendous like kind of anthem about like not being sure how you're feeling about somebody. You know, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and having a song be that big and being reminded of how, because like I was saying, you know, I've been in this routine the last couple of months. You know, last couple of weeks. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> basically, the better part a of a year. year. <laughs> better part of a year. Yeah. Um, and it's just, and this will, I think, this pairs with the movie also as, as well. Just to for sure that, um, <clears throat> just being like in an album for half an hour listening to uh, Lorely Rodriguez is the name of, of Empress of. It's her project, basically. It's just her. She has a lot of, she has a lot of contributors uh, on this on this album. Blood Orange, Dev Hines is on this. Um, a lot of uh, uh, really prolific songwriters. One of Carly Rae Jepsen's songwriters is actually, I think, a oh, co-writer shit. on, I think a co-writer on the second number. Uh, just, just the, the same. same? Maybe. I could be wrong about that. Um, the exa- Or maybe it was Trust Me Baby. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Don't don't cite this podcast in your in your fucking research papers, like we say. Um, but <laughs> what? But if you were to cite us in a research paper, have it be the history of epic lay epic podcasts. Yes, true. Uh, col- true. Colon the rise and fall of it's on the list. Yeah. And your whole paper is about just how when Mason and I first met each other. <laughs> holy shit! It was fucking war. It was fucking war. And then over the years, we stopped fighting and we said we are stronger together than we are apart. Yes, apes together. So if you're gonna do strong. your paper, about, if you're gonna do your paper about that, you can cite this all you want, but never for anything else. These here's are just a, here's two yes, white yes, dudes and talking. actually here you can quote me on this. Uh, apes apart, weak. Apes together, strong. Uh, you can you can quote me directly. Holy fuck! Yeah. You said that, dude. Holy yeah, I did shit. say that. Apes apart, weak. <laughs> apes together, strong. Dude, holy shit! That's nuts. Okay, well. You like the album. That's, I love the album. That's, I do. You I love like, the album. Okay. I like it a lot. Actually, actually, you know what? I like it a lot. I don't want to commit to the big L just yet with this album, but I like it a lot. I like it a lot. The big and L being lesbians? Being Yes. <laughs> the big L being I'm in... Le- what is that movie? What is that from? I'm in lesbians? That's Scott Pilgrim versus the world, I'm pretty sure. 
I think you're right. I think you're right. I was actually just talking about Scott Pilgrim versus the world with someone else. Uh, and they said that they loved it when it first came out. They rewatched it because they were doing a rewatch of all of Edgar Wright's major, well, actually right. all of his like feature films or whatever. Right. Cause apparently last night in Soho is going to get a release at the end of 2021 from what I heard. So they were doing a little rewatch a little or a recap mm-hmm. of, uh, of Edgar Wright's stuff. And uh, they were like, I hate Scott. I think he's a big piece of shit, and I don't like him at all. But I loved the movie when I was younger, and I'm like, i got to be honest with you. haven't seen the movie in forever, but I think it's great. I need to rewatch it. Okay, who cares? Who gives a, shit? <laughs> <laughs> who gives a, who gives a fuck about any of that shit? Yeah, um, yeah. I will say something that is cool about this album that I mm-hmm. did like is that she flows in and out of Spanish and English yes. within tracks. She that was, is bilingual yeah. during some tracks as well, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, she yes, and she really uh, I read an interview um with her in the in Stereo Gum and she said that that was very conscious she wanted cuz her previous album was all in English and she just like after getting that album done, uh she felt a lot more like just sort of freedom and want to be like, you know, fuck it, I'm going to do the album on my terms now. Uh, and so that she found writing in Spanish and English a uh, a fun thing, and that was the thing actually. That was the one of the qualities of when I'm with him, that really like pushed, like really made that song burrow deep. When I first heard it, was in that second verse when she um, uh, when she sings in that that first part of that verse in Spanish. I was like, hell yes. Hell yes, I can't remember the last time I heard a, a pop song do this, you know? Sure. Um, and it was just like, this is fucking awesome. I love this. I love this so much. I think that's a really cool thing, too. Do you, do you have to take a language class in high school or college? I did, and I took Spanish. I took. I Spanish. also took Spanish. I took Spanish for two years, last two years of middle school, first two years of um, high school, got the requirement out of the way, and then uh, didn't, hadn't taken a foreign language since... I remember at my school there was this. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell you a tragic story. Are you ready for this? Yes. I lo- yes. I love okay. a tragedy. Yeah. Everyone loves a good tragedy. Uh, everyone loves to cry in the movie theater. Everyone loves to fucking yeah. cry because the tragedy. You're gonna fucking be. You're gonna have be. There's not be a dry eye in the in the house or in the podcast sphere <laughs> when I'm done telling this story. So I'm in high school, and every year I went to a middle and high school, as I think I've said on this pod many times. And at the end of every year, they would have a big pizza party at the end of the year for the graduating class. So when, because I went to this school for seven years, I got to have seven of these things, but six of them were as underclassmen, not as a senior. And every single year, they would give out these cords at graduation. And the cords had different significances. It was like you were either in a member of National Honor Society or oh, sure, sure, you sure. Um, you like gave blood or you were part of National right. Art Honor Society or stuff right. like that. Mm-hmm. But they also had this cord, and it was a white cord, and it was called the Oregon Honor Society. Ooh. And it basically was like you had to have a certain GPA, a certain amount of community service hours, and a certain amount of some other bullshit. But there were like a bunch of other, uh, like there was like four or five qualifiers to be able to have this cord. And keep in mind, I'm going to these for six years yeah. before I actually am graduating. Right. In the seven years that I'm there. 
And I take two years of Spanish because I'm like, fuck it. That's all I need to graduate. I'm not doing any more of this bullshit. By the time that I got to like actually the level where you could take a foreign language in school, that was all that they offered. They used to offer Japanese as well at my school. Oh, okay. But unfortunately, the Japanese teacher passed away quite literally when I was in eighth grade. Oh, so my God. they never – the year after, because she, she, she passed away in the middle of the year, like in the middle of the second semester. Oh, my God. Yeah, like wow. just one day did not show up to school and everyone was like, holy shit. Um, but they did not fill her seat afterwards. I think they just said mm-hmm. she's passed either for budgetary reasons or for whatever reasons they decided not to continue having Japanese as an option. Uh, and so Spanish was quite literally the only foreign language and you had to take it in order to graduate. So everyone ends up taking Spanish at this school, at least at the time. I don't know if it's changed at all. But I said, okay, I did my two. I did my time. I did two years, and I'm getting mm. out. And Mason, yeah, one of the requirements to get this fucking white cord at graduation <laughs> was that you had to have three years of a foreign language. And I had no. all the other requirements except for the third year of a foreign language. So I didn't get the white fucking cord at graduation because I didn't take fucking Spanish for a whole year and I was pissed and I was like wait a minute I had six years to fucking figure out that if I really wanted the white cord I had to do a third year of Spanish but it's fucked up you got me fucked up if you think I'm taking a third year of fucking Spanish to get the white cord at graduation that ultimately means fucking nothing so fucking take that, because I have two podcasts now, and no white cord to show of it. Oregon Honors student. Fuck that shit. Hell yeah. Your, eye, your eyes are dry? I don't think so. No, not at all. Nope. <laughs> so that's that's what, that you got me fucked up, Mason, <laughs> if you think that I'm taking a third fucking year of Spanish just to get some white yeah. cord bullshit. So. No, 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 no. No. You know what? You did. You lived your truth, buddy, and that's, that's, that's that's better than any white tassel on your <laughs> on your uh mortarboard on graduation day on graduation day exactly. exactly it's like not having a white tassel on graduation day it's like day. it's like rain on your wedding day <laughs> it's like rain on your graduation day without a white tassel without a white cord uh mason i really to be honest with you i don't have the only actually i do have one more thing to say about this album to be honest mm. with you are you ready mm-hmm. yeah i was curious what would happen if you go to the Empress of Spotify Artist Radio. Yes. Okay. Have you ever been to the Empress of Radio, the Artist Radio on Spotify? Uh, probably. Uh, most likely, actually. Let me double check. Well, here are the biggest names that come up. I wrote them down. I, di- I wrote them down. I went to the site and I went through Okay, he wrote, he wrote them down, folks. Some of these I listen to, some of them I don't. But her mm. Spotify Radio, and there's a couple outliers in there that I didn't include because there's like one song. But the overwhelming majority of her Spotify radio is Angel Olsen, which I do listen to a little bit. Not that much. I've listened to a little bit of Angel Olsen, and I like. Caroline Polchek, who I don't listen to, but I've heard really good things about her. Porches, who I don't listen to. Mm. And A.G. Cook, who I mostly know is a guy who is, like, related to Gex and PC music and stuff like that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, but the other person that I really like who is on her Spotify radio, who I was shocked to find on her Spotify radio, is Perfume Genius. I can see that, though. That's not that 
I think that's long weird. Of a, that's not that long of a thing. Well, I think this is kind of an outlier album. Um, it's it, compared to me and Empress of um, the albums on the other side of this one. Um, this is a much more kind of like bouncy and intimate um, album. Uh, the other ones are so big sounding, so expansive. Gotcha. Um, so if you hear her first album, you would definitely hear, um, you would, you would hear Perfume Genius from that, based off that first album and the most recent one more than this one necessarily. Um, but it's, I, but I found in that, um, interview I found, uh, she actually, uh, labeled her influences for this particular album. Uh, in addition to listening to Fatima Yamaha and Black Madonna, who I don't have any familiarity with, her Same. hunger for collaboration was fueled by her love of this mortal coil, while the et- ethereal tones of Us were inspired by acts like t- Cocteau Twins, Angelo Badalamenti, and Julie Cruz. That kind of comes through most apparently on the final track again. Um, I don't even I, know who any of those people are, to be totally honest. So with Julie you. Cruz, so Cocktoo Twins, they did Heaven in Las Vegas, and the thing with them is, um, the, she, the the lead singer has a very particular way of singing, which is memeable, and people like to make memes about it. Angela Badalamenti did the music for does the music for David Lynch, so did the score for like Twin Peaks. Oh, and okay, Drive. okay, for sure. And Julie Cruz is also in that kind of area. She, in if you've, you've seen Twin Peaks, she's the one that sings "Falling, Falling, Falling." Are we falling in love? That's okay. Julie Cruz. Um, I. Um, yeah, I think that's most apparent for me in the final track, maybe not as much in the rest of this album. You're not alone in thinking this album is, like, boring or nothing, like, I guess, to write home about or post a hotca- uh, post <laughs> post a podcast, host a podcast about. Okay, my man is fucked up <laughs> on the other end of the Zoom call if he thinks I'm posting a hotcast. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? Um, I caught host- base slipping on that one. Or, uh... uh <laughs> Uh, this mo- this motherfucker fell down the stairs on Google Maps. <laughs> Jason Mason McGuire has fallen down the stairs that it's on the list podcast. Anyway, they did anyway. surgery on a oh, fucking grape too. They did surgery right. on a grape. Um, but no, I think <laughs> I I kind of like an album like this that I guess other folks would think is boring, but and is kind of an outlier in the discography so far. Sure. Uh, just because I think that this is a she's. She's interested in um, relationships on this, and that's a, a topic that I like a lot too. And I think that she navigates the kind of like really small and intimate um, details of relationships and, and negotiating that and finding yourself in that and, you know, sure. making space for the other person and not, you know, there's all this other stuff um, in a way that I can't really compare with another artist. And for that, I think she's sure. this album in particular is worth listening to. And I also think that just the more I listen to it, honestly, the and the more that I can kind of just like hear the album and just be like, this is what Laura Lee and her collaborators want me to hear. And just like, kind of just trust that this is, and just like kind of accept the album the more it comes to me the more i like it and the more ease i feel with it and the more I can kind of like okay and dance to like i don't even smoke weed which i think is such a fun fucking fun fucking poppy number um okay. i also that really man, like i just fucking hate the title of that track so much i think it's so funny honestly um i also <laughs> there's also in the song i got love with just this fun little disco number that i really fell in love with on my most recent listen um, in that same interview that I keep drawing from, sure. uh, she has this to say about it. 
there's a song on my record called I've Got Love, which is about a friend of mine who came to me and confided in me about wanting to commit suicide. I don't go into the details oh on God. the song. It's what I want my friend to listen to when they're experiencing those feelings. Just know that you have all these people around you that love you. And if you need something, we'll be there for you. Um, That's really nice. I like, yeah, I like that. And I think that that that's one of my kind of new favorites on this album. When I listened to it, I had not read that until after I listened to it most recently. Um, but yeah, I think that she has, um, I think a good, uh, collaborative spirit. And I think that she is very creative. And I think that these songs are pretty dynamic on the whole. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Let me, get, let me dive into some fast facts. We'll do our, a wrap up shit that we love to do on this show. And then we'll move yes. on. Is that cool? Yes, definitely. Laura Lee Rodriguez, known professionally as Empress of, was born on October 19th, 1989. Does that mean she is a Scorpio? Is that what that means? She is a Libra. She's a Libra. Libra. Okay, who cares? Uh, 1989 <laughs> <laughs> is an American singer, songwriter, musician, record producer based in Los Angeles, California. Rodriguez initially gained attention in 2012 for anonymously releasing a series of one-minute-long demos via YouTube, prefaced only by a solid color entitled Color Minutes. Her first seven-inch single, Champagne, was released soon after on November 5th, 2012, through a limited run via no recordings. Laura Lee's stage name was inspired by a tarot card reading, as Mason mentioned before. Quote, the first card that my friend pulled out was an Empress card, and I, li- and I was like, it's me, I'm an Empress. The Empress card is connected to fertility and mothering and strength. It's kind of nice to have those feelings. Kind of a cool origin story for the name. Mm-hmm. Unlike Childish Gambino, which was a Wu-Tang name generator. Which was a uh, joke. Okay. I think it's real. Uh, it's whatever. I think it's 100% real, and I don't it know. It probably is. It doesn't matter. Is. Let's keep going. Cool. On April I think it's a real joke. Uh, on April 2nd, <laughs> 2013, her bilingual four-track EP, Systems, released via Double Denim and Terrible Records in the UK and North America, respectively. Since the release of her EP, she showcased at South by Southwest, Iceland Airwaves, and Pitchfork's Summer Music Festival. Sounds like the one that Mason was at. And toured as a supporting act for the likes of Jamie Liddell, who I like. I don't know. Do you know Jamie Liddell? I'm not familiar. Maybe we'll talk about him on the podcast one day. Uh, Jungle, Kimbra, and Florence and the Machine. We love Florence on the Machine. I we, we love Florence on the Machine on this podcast. We do. Uh, Rodriguez supported Maggie Rogers on her fall 2019 her in a past life tour. We love Maggie Rogers and on Maggie this podcast Rogers. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2020, Rodriguez founded and announced the start of her own record label, Major Arcana. Also a tarot card, as far as I know. Um, mm-hmm. What what is that? A Taurus? <laughs> uh, the announcement <laughs> marked the fulfillment of her contract. <laughs> What is that? What is that? Aquarius, right? Who gives a shit? Uh, the, <laughs> the announcement marked the fulfillment of her contracts with XL and Terrible Records, respectively, thus allowing the future releases to be fully independent under her own brand. That is pretty amazing, considering she's only that, like 30, 31 years old. Yeah, that's very cool, and I can't wait to see what she does next. Rodriguez, first-generation Honduran-American, raised by her mother in Los Angeles. Laura Lee's first experiences with music. We're listening to her father's cassette tapes of The Beatles and The Pet Shop Boys. Formerly a resident of Brooklyn, New York, much of her debut album, Me, addressed the hardships she faced while living in Brooklyn. Quote, I hate the rats. I hate the rent. I hate all these shitty guys. <laughs> yeah, me too, sister. I hate capitalism. <laughs> I hate... And yes, go off, I, Go off, Queen. Uh, I am getting catcalled in the street. Just being a woman walking around, I should be able to walk down the street, you know? 
Yes, 100%. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Rodriguez has a degree from Berkeley College of Music. Shout out. Yes. I had a couple friends who went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston, so shout out. Uh, yep, there you I, You already said she cites Julie Cruz, Elizabeth Frazier of Cocteau Twins. And I have the, she likes the zombies and the Beach Boys as some of her main musical inspirations mm, as well. So, very cool. Shout out them. I Zombies kind of underrated, to be honest with you. I don't know a ton, yeah. a ton about them, but every time I listen to them, I'm like, these guys kind of these guys kind of fucking rock. Uh, these guys are fucking kind of fucking sick a little bit. Kind of fucking sick and nasty, dude. Uh, Us, the album we were talking about here today, was released on, on October 19th, 2018, uh, which I believe would be her 29th birthday. So that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, very cool. The 28th. album was preceded. Excuse me, 28th? Yeah. 28th? No, you're right, 29. You're right. Never 29! Doesn't matter. Right. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, didn't do well on my math SAT, but apparently it doesn't matter when you're doing a podcast. Uh, the album <laughs> was preceded by the double A single Trust Me Baby and In Dreams, released on April 11th, 2018, and three promotional singles When I'm With Him, our fave, released yeah. on August 22nd. Love For Me, released September 24th, and I Don't Even Smoke Weed, which is a terrible name for a song, released on October 17th. Just kidding, Mason likes it. And then the song When I'm With Him is part of the soundtrack for the game eFootball PES 2020. Mason. What's your Mercedes Valuable player for this album? Um, I think it's just... Ooh. Uh, ooh. I'm going to just give it to... And I feel like you're going to do the same thing. Just give it to um, When I'm With Him. I think that that's yep. kind of an... It's it's an alt... It's, for me, it's kind of an... It's inching into the old-timers club status uh, of just good tracks. Love it. It's um, a really fun... Um, pop song it's one of it's it there's a very like kind of 90s vibe to it which i like like or like an early 2000s kind of pop vibe to it that i really like and appreciate that's interesting and sure I, I kind of i feel that about it and i like it a lot if you haven't heard it listen to it that's it yeah that's my mercedes valuable player as well i think if you're gonna listen to anything from this album uh you should definitely check that track out I'm not as big on the rest of the album. So I will actually be giving this, haven't done this in a minute, I will actually be giving this a do not recommend, uh, mm. just as a whole. Mm. But when I'm when I'm with him, great track. Can't recommend the album as a whole. Mason, do you recommend this album? I give it a regular roll recommend. I think it is worth people's half, 32 minutes. I think um, the songs don't ask to, too much of your time. Um, most of them are fun. I like listening to this album as a whole. I think you will like it too, so... Well, let's move on. Maybe you won't because some people are <laughs> like me different. Some people are like you. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe the, you won't. Those are the two. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the two personality types. The two the story virgin types. Ma- the virgin <laughs> podcaster Mason and the Chad, Chad podcaster Pod- Noah. Noah. Yeah. Noah mm-hmm. sets up the Zoom call. Mason edits the episode. You got the yeah. virgin and Chad duties <laughs> on either side of the meme there. Uh, but we should talk about the movie, huh? Yeah, we should talk about the movie. Should I preview it since I brought it? Yes, it's your movie. Talk about okay. it. Okay. Mason, do I hear you getting Mason's notebook out? Mason's notebook. Uh, movie we're talking about today. Celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. Didn't even think about that when I picked it, but I just realized. Came out in 1991. Directed by Jim Jarmusch. Talking about Night on Earth. Night on snap, Earth. Snap, 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 snap. Snap, 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 Um, Mason. We have not talked about Jim Jarmusch on this show yet, and I'm a mm-hmm. little surprised that it's taken us this long to get to him because he's kind of an indie icon a little yes. bit. He isn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what's your relationship to Jarmusch? I know you haven't seen this movie before, but what's your relationship yeah, to him I have whole? not. I have not seen this one. I have seen uh, Dead Man, 
I have seen uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, which I saw in theaters, and I saw Dead Don't Die, which I've also seen in theaters. Um, he is a guy where the kind of, like, cool factor intimidates me a little bit, you know? Interesting. Okay. Um, I think I've tried to start Stranger, um, Strangers in Paradise, I think is what it's called. Stranger Than Paradise. Stranger Than Paradise. That's it. I think I've tried to start and couldn't finish it, and then I came in while uh, roommate Colin was finishing watching it over the summer. Um, and I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. For whatever reason, that particular one doesn't vibe with me. Um, but I would say of the four that I've seen, I've vibed with, I've seen all the way through rather. Oh, I've also tried to watch and have never been able to finish Mystery Train. Again, I think I just there's just some quality of his filmmaking I'm just not into watching all the time. Sure. Um, but I will say that when I've given my time or had, uh, when I have given my time to his movies... Uh, or when I had seen his movies, like, for a class, which I did for Dead Man. Um, vibe with them on the whole, appreciate them on their own sort of levels. So I'd say I like him for the most part. Um, Noe, where are you with old, old Jimmy Jarms? Oh, Jimmy Jar of Jams. Old Jimmy before Jar of Marmalade. I, be, shut the fuck up. Before I, <laughs> before I answer that question, what class did you have to watch Dead Man for? Uh, philosophical issues in film. We, my teacher used to illustrate, um, I think existentialism or postmodernism. Um, interesting. Yeah. That's a very interesting, that's a very interesting movie to pick for that because I almost think it was postmodernism. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm just, doesn't doesn't matter. doesn't matter. To be honest with you, don't a hundred percent know what (laughs) postmodernism means. I'm not, not able to tell you a hundred percent what it means, but I just think it's an interesting movie to pick for something like that because it's not directly obvious and maybe that's why she picked it but it's this like is, yeah very mystical and very spiritual but in a very detached way so that's that an interesting was, pick um this was that was my favorite my that was my favorite class i took in college and my favorite professor and i'm still in you know we still you know see each other like on facebook and we're still somewhat in touch um but she chose it for that exact reason because she paired it with a viewing of um the western shane which is kind of like oh, the typical okay. Western. So you're like, th- so she was like, here's Shane. Here's what Shane right. looks like. This is the sort of, I guess, you know, uh, I this think this is the perfect to- platonic Western. Exactly. And then here's yeah. how you can tear it apart. And just, we kind of went like deep into almost how in every single creative choice. And that was meant uh, either intentionally or not in opposition to the sort of the classic Western like Shane. It was great. I got a, uh, she, uh, I did great on that paper. If that was what the paper was about. I, I still have it saved because I'm very proud of little 20 year old me in that paper. Let's that I wrote. fucking go, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, brother. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting. It's a lot of what you said is very interesting, Mason. And I actually have a huge history with Jim Jarmusch. Can you believe mm. that? Uh, I guess a little bit. I don't know. I'm just more curious now to hear what the history is than anything. So, I first watched a Jim Jarmusch movie in high school, but I had no idea that it was actually a Jim Jarmusch movie because it was a movie that my film teacher in high school would always use to basically show us you really can make a movie about anything. Mm. And that movie was mm-hmm. Coffee and Cigarettes. And oh, that was, sure. He, and that movie, if you're not familiar with it, it is like 11, I think. Somewhere between, it's either like 10, 11, somewhere between 10 and 13 vignettes. I can't remember off the top of my head. But it's multiple vignettes of just people talking. And that's the entire movie. And I guess you call that an anthology movie. He's kind mm-hmm. of known for doing anthology movies, I think, mm-hmm. uh, at a certain level, among other things. 
But I didn't realize that was Jim Jarmusch when I watched that movie. I just thought that was a movie that my film teacher really liked and he would show us. But it basically was, you can do a movie about anything. You are not limited. You're only limited by your imagination, basically. And that's kind of cool that he would show us to that, show us that in that respect, because it is quite literally just people talking and well-placed camera and interesting dialogue. And that's it. I don't really remember a lot about the movie. The only real thing that I remember from that is I think it's the last vignette, which stars Bill Rice and Taylor Mead, two older men, Taylor Mead being like a Robert Downey G- Robert Downey Sr. like actor, like company okay. actor who he mm-hmm. used in Babo 73. Uh, and it's the only one I really remember. And then there's one with the weird, the Rizza, the Jizza, and of course the other member of Wu-Tang Clan, Bill Murray. Yeah. Uh, and just the three of them. You know, Bill Murray's not in fucking Wu-Tang Clan, dude. Um <laughs> Were you even? That's how you know you're not fucking listening okay, to me. Thanks, no, thanks for looking out. I don't want the podcast. I don't need the podcast listeners to know that I thought Bill Murray was in Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, no worry. I don't think anyone's going to find out. Um, so, <laughs> so those are the only ones I really remember. But I don't really remember the movie. I haven't watched it in a number of years. Sure. Then I go to film school, and one day I go see the movie Patterson with a to- oh, couple of friends. I've seen that movie too. Fuck. Anyways, yeah. keep going. But and so we go to see the movie. We go down to Irvine. Uh, which is a little bit south of where we went to school in Orange County. I actually really like Irvine, even though it's basically the platonic ideal of what a suburb looks like. I love mm-hmm. the suburbs. We need a conversation for another time. You're uh, rocking the suburbs I, just like Quiet Riot did. Yeah, I'm also stuck in the suburbs uh, like uh, Ben in Fold the, 5. In, I, that's what I was thinking. In the suburbs, you learn to drive, and they told me you'd have to survive, pack your mother's things, we're leaving. Stuck in the suburbs, I think, is a DCOM. I think that's a Disney Channel original movie. I think, that's, I think you're right. I think you're right, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so I watched that movie, didn't really fully get it. I was probably 19 or 20 when I watched that movie for the first time. Just was kind of like, this kind of fucking sucks a little bit. Like just was sort of like, who gives a shit? I thought Adam Driver was cool. That was like one of my first real introductions to him, I think. He is very good in that movie. He is very good in that movie. But I didn't know it was Jim Jarmusch again. And the first time that I actually watched a Jim Jarmusch movie, knowing that it was him, was when I watched Stranger in Paradise in 2017, mm. and I fucking hated it. I thought mm, it sucked okay. so bad. I was so mad that I watched that movie. It, like, deeply bothered me. I'm like, this person wasted my fucking time, is Damn. what I thought when I was watching the movie. It's, like, too cool for its own good. The characters aren't interesting. I just hated watching it. Really bothered me, and I, like, talked to people about it, and I was like... Why do you like this movie? Like, I genuinely was, like, trying to figure out, like, what was the appeal of Stranger Than Paradise? Because I could not for the life of me figure it out. And I wanted to be in on it, but I just couldn't figure it out. And I really didn't like it. So then I'm like, I hate Jim Jarmusch. I fucking hate Jim Jarmusch. Like, that's kind of where my tip was at. That's where I was headed. But one day I watched Down by Law Mm. by Jim Jarmusch. Now, if you're counting track at home... Coffee and Cigarettes, one. One. Patterson, two. Two. Stranger Than Paradise, three. Three. Thank you. I didn't know if you were going to do it or not. Four. Uh, (laughs) Number four, Down by Law. Watched that in the summer of 2017, which was one of the loneliest times of my entire life. Because I was basically just sitting in my apartment for an entire summer, working a little bit, but not really. And I just watched a shit ton of movies that Mm. summer. Just like... So much shit, like one to two a day, like straight up, like get up in the morning, watch a movie, eat lunch, fuck around, jack off probably, and then watch a movie at night and then go to bed if I wasn't working or whatever, because I usually was working nights or whatever. 
um, when I was because it was part-time. Gotcha. So I watched Down by Law, and that was the first time where I was like, oh, I actually kind of liked that. Like, that actually sort of resonated with me in some way. Shot in black and white, uh, Berto Benini, Tom Waits. Is it John Lurie, I think, is the third guy in that movie? I, I think, think. cuz it's the fishing with the fishing the boating with John guy, right? Yeah, that's John yeah, Lurie. Yeah, John yes. Lurie. Mm-hmm. So, it's those three guys and they're just fucking carving it up. New Orleans looks great in that movie and I'm like, "Damn, okay, I actually kind of like this." Then I checked out Mystery Train, and if you're keeping track at home, that's five Jim Jarmusch movies and I'm still like maybe I don't like this guy very much. That's five Jim Jarmusch movies, and I liked Mystery Train. I've actually never fully seen the end of it because I took such an incredible fucking nap when I was watching Mystery Train. But I never went back and I finished it, but I was like, damn, that nap felt so good. And I want to talk about that a little bit later when we actually talk about Night on Earth, which is, I believe, well, that was the next movie I watched, and I was like, okay, maybe I actually do like Jim (laughs) Jarmusch because Night on Earth is fucking awesome. Then I watched Broken Flowers, which you really only need to watch – if you like Jim Jarmusch, do not start with Broken Flowers. Uh, or if you're a Bill Murray completionist. That would be the only reason I would ever suggest watching Broken Flowers. But other than that, don't. And then in preparation for this, the only movie of his that was big that I hadn't seen... Well, I'm not going to say that. There were two movies left of his that I was really interested in. One of them is just very hard to find because it's coming to Criterion, and that's Ghost Dog. And I have oh, not found yeah. like a real good I way to watch Criterion that I thought that Criterion already yet. came out, actually, but it's it's... It's hard, it's hard to get a hold it's of. It's so hard to get a hold of. of. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I haven't seen Ghost Dog, and I really want to. But the other one that I hadn't seen that's a lot easier to get a hold of is Dead Man. So I watched Dead Man yeah. in preparation for this. And I think that honestly might be my favorite, Jarmusch, after having watched it. It's just yeah. a really fucking cool movie. Just like straight up cool. I th- Yeah. I you haven't, So you haven't seen Only Lovers Left Alive? Haven't seen Only, Love, Only Lovers Left Alive. Haven't seen um, mm, okay. Dead, Dead Don't Die, which I know Chef Dustin Titcomb really likes. The Dead Don't Die. Yeah, so. Jeff Dustin and I might be on... I appreciate that movie more than some other people, than most other people would, I think. I had a great time watching that movie. Um, and I think... I'm curious your thoughts on Only Lovers Left Alive. That's a movie that I really like and kind of embodies like the feeling of cool for me as that particular movie. Haven't seen it since college, but look back on it fondly. Um, but of the now, I think, four, five actually, including Patterson, now that I remember that, Patterson actually might be my favorite, but I think that Dead Man is definitely what I would probably consider his best movie, you know, of sure. the ones that I've seen, you know. Sure, 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 um, sure. It's kind of, that movie's kind of firing on all cylinders in a way that not a lot of other movies do. That movie fires on cylinders in a very different way than Dead Man fires on all cylinders, which, if you want to talk about Dead Man being his quote-unquote best movie, that yeah. movie fires on all cylinders in a way that has a very particular energy, a very, like, strong, like exuding shooting energy out at you yeah whereas patterson is like very internal internal very yeah. very like small in that way but the energy is still very like present and so they're yeah. like almost exist on like two different ends of the spectrum and i think night on earth falls a little bit more on the shooting out external energy than definitely it does yeah. on the internal energy it's it's just night on earth is the most Fun I've had watching a Jarmusch movie, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if you're counting, if you're playing along at home, <laughs> I have seen eight Jim Jarmusch movies, and I really thought that I thought he was a piece of shit. Like, I really did yeah. not think yeah. I liked Jim Jarmusch, and I just had to watch the right shit. And after watching Down by Law and Night on Earth, I was like, okay, 
I'm with it. I like this movie a little bit. I like these guys a lot more. And I'm actually quite a big fan of Jim Jarmusch's now, even though there are some that really don't vibe with me. But I think he's a hard filmmaker to crack a little bit. I think you are onto something when you were talking about at the beginning that he's a little bit impenetrable at first because his movies do have a sort of very different energy to him. The energy cannot really be replicated, I feel like, by anyone else, which is really a mark of an artist, you know, like a really true yeah. voice, you know, and he actually, I was gonna, I was gonna say this quote at some point. I don't know if you know this quote, but he actually has one of my all time favorite quotes about creating just in general. Can I okay. say it to you? Yes. He says, nothing is original. Steal from anywhere that resonates with it, with inspiration or fuels your imagination. Devour old films, new films, music, books, paintings, photographs, poems, dreams, Random conversations, architecture, bridges, street signs, trees, clouds, bodies of water, light, and shadows. Select only things to steal from that speak directly to your soul. If you do this, your work and theft will be authentic. Authenticity is invaluable. Originality is non-existent. And don't bother concealing your thievery. Celebrate it if you feel like it. Hell yeah. And when I heard that quote, I heard that quote my freshman year of college, it kind of just redefined everything. I, it like f- made me feel like really I could do whatever. Like I right, really like sure. when I read that, it just inspires me where I'm like, if I want to do something, I think a lot of the thing, I think a lot of the time what I think holds people back from actually pursuing something in the art, in the arts, in a creative field is they want to make it feel like you know, their own. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of the time that they want to make it feel like their own, they think, oh, well, it has to be completely original, something that's never been done before. But I think what Jarmusch is getting at is so true, at least for me, which is that it doesn't matter if this is something that no one's ever seen before. The fact that you're doing it means that no one's ever seen it before. The fact right. that it's coming from you if you're authentic in your true voice, if you're authentic in what you really believe and you're authentic in how you go about it, then no one will have ever seen it before because no one's ever seen your version of it. And Mm -hmm. your version of it is going to come from an amalgamation of all the things that you're passionate about and all the things that basically light a fire under your ass to create. And that was just so amazing to hear from a guy that I thought I did not like very much at all. But I think that quote is amazing, and I quite literally have a sticky note of it on my computer that I can look at whenever I want. I love that. I love that for you. That's great. Thank you, Chef. Thank you, Chef. But should we actually talk about Night on Earth as a movie? Now? Yeah, let's talk about it. Why not? That's why okay. we're here, right? We've That's got, why we've, I... we've cracked Jim Jarmusch, finally. We've finally done it after all these years. Folks, if anyone tries to tell you they cracked Jim Jarmusch before this movie, this episode comes out on February 2nd, 2021, tell mm-hmm. them you got me fucked up if you think that you've mm-hmm. cracked Jim Jarmusch before it's on the list did. Episode, what, 58? 58, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very cool. Um, Mason, I think there are actually, sometimes it's like, how do we talk about a movie? But I feel like with this one, it's actually kind of obvious how we talk about it. Because it's kind of split up into sections for us already. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like the the cities, these sections, the cities are the characters in the movies themselves. 
It's you know? kind of, it's what's so crazy is that LA is kind of like a character in the LA story, and New York's kind, kind of, of, like of a, a character. character. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Dude, New York's yeah. kind of a character in the New York story. Yes. And and Paris is kind of a character in the Parisian movie, and then you know you go to Rome and you're like, is this really going to keep happening? Can he sue it? Can he continue making? And it's city's kind of characters like, in the movie. Yes, and it's kind of like Rome is a character in the Rome story. Yeah. And Helsinki's a character in the Helsinki story. And that is just like, have we seen that before? No. Yes, no. we have. But he, I, not from him. So yes, very cool. No, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Let's I don't know. Who gives a shit? Let's go into it. I do like that this movie, it was um, a relief to realize that this is another kind of like very vignette where I, um, you know, you get 20 minutes of a movie you get a little break, and then you get another movie, and then you get a break. You get five movies in one, basically, which is what I really like about this movie just off the top. Do you like anthology movies on the whole, or do you di- oh, dislike them normally? Like, what are you, what's I, your feeling on them as a whole? Uh, I would just say that I think that I feel about them the same way I feel about any other genre of movie, which is like the one I like the ones that I like, and I uh, don't like the ones that I don't like. I don't have a lot of um, <laughs> okay, sure. I can name three anthology movies that I've seen just off the top of my head. Probably seen more than I'm forgetting, but just off the top of my head, there's this, there's not on Earth. There's Wild Tales, which we also did for this podcast, and there's Very also true. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And of those three, I didn't really care for Buster Scruggs that much. Okay. I so actually I'm at a 66%. I'm at a 66% for anthology movies, which I think is a pretty good. That is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> some, other, some other anthology movies. Mystery Train, which is another Jarmusch movie. Uh, C and C. What is C and C? I, is it S E E and S E E, or is it just the letter C, letter C? C and C, like the letter C, like C is for cookie. What does that mean? Why did I write down C and C? <laughs> the fuck? Coffee is that? and cigarettes. Coffee and cigarettes. Yes, coffee and cigarettes. Coffee and cigarettes. Mystery train. The Twilight Zone movie, which I have not seen, is technically an anthology film. There's a really fun horror movie called Trick or Treat, which is an anthology. Oh sure, movie. sure. Which is really cool. Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Wild Tales, which is a great anthology yeah. movie that we talked about with Nina back in the LA days. And then technically, Mason, Chunking Express is an anthology movie. Okay, so then, you know, we're up to three for four and 75%. <laughs> three out of four ain't bad, which is the famous Meatloaf song, right? Three out of four, four ain't, ain't bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool that we did that just now. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of sick. Um, let's talk about the first anthology, uh, section of this movie, which takes place in Los Angeles, California, LA, baby city of angels, city of angles, mm-hmm. uh, call it curved angles. If you know what I mean? Cause all the tight asses that are walking around <laughs> <there>. uh, <laughs> and all the 90 degree angles from all the damn intersections. Cause all the damn traffic. It's on the yeah, damn brother. roads. <laughs> this is, this is, um, I, I do like that. This is a movie about driving in LA where LA traffic yes. is not a plot point. That's what That's I really, true. you know, um, cause well, LA traffic is very real and we both have endured it. Most of the times when you're driving in my experience, it's fun to drive in LA. I'll say it. I like driving in LA. I like to have I'll fucking say car. it. Yeah. I like having yeah. my car and just driving the fuck around. It's fun. It's a fun city to drive in. Not it's, now. It's, <laughs> not <laughs> no, not at all. But like, it is just a very. It's a very. It's varied. There's a lot of different things to see. Uh, yeah, yeah. Driving in Culver City is not like driving in Pasadena, which is not like driving in Hollywood, which is not like driving in Santa Monica. No, I had a half hour commute, um, and I would drive down Wilshire 
from my apartment to Beverly sure. Hills when I was working at the production company. And even that, it's like, you know, you're getting through uh, Mid-City and then over into, like, kind of by the Grove, basically. And you yeah. know, it just kind of feels like every – in Hancock Park, kind of, too, in Hollywood, basically. And you're just like, damn, like, this city kind of changes every couple of blocks, basically. How about that? <laughs> What the fuck? You sitting in traffic one minute and the next minute you're at home sucking your own dick for the first time in years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, dude. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, my God. Yes. Yes, queen. I can suck my own dick finally. Um, yeah. Put that on my tombstone. Put that as my epitaph <laughs> right there. Uh, Mason, the first time I saw Night on Earth back in May of 2018, L.A., the L.A. vignette, was mm-hmm. my least favorite vignette interesting of okay. the five mm-hmm. this time around mm-hmm. it's in the middle of the pack i can't say that it's three or four at the moment distinctively but it's not number five number five from like my least favorite vignette has changed upon second viewing and we'll talk about it when we get there gotcha. um but this i liked this more the second time i i felt a little bit more connected to it maybe it's because i actually did work in los angeles so i have a little bit of an idea of actually what that feels like on a very personal level um but you've got two amazing actresses really just talking to each other the entire time and they're really great yeah it's so nice to see like jenna rollins who's the best actress of her generation in the car with Winona Ryder, who's like an up and coming talent at that time. I think like Beetlejuice had come out like what the year before, basically she's still young. Um, it's like three or four years. Three before, or four years. No, cause 91. I thought Beetlejuice came out in 90. I think it came out actually in 88, my friend. Uh, it doesn't matter. No. Cause it came out after before, after Batman. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Dude, doesn't it matter. came out fucking before. I it promise came you. Right. I am literally right. looking at it. No, right you're now. right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> It's, it's nice fine, to dude. see them. It's nice to see them acting together. I think that they are good. Um, they have such fun uh, chemistry. Um, I think I love how uh, much like Winona is like kind of trying to take care of Jenna Rollins, and Jenna Rollins thinks that she's trying to like doing um, the Winona Ryder character a favor with the offer at the end. And I love yes. the movie. Um, I love that that short rather ends with. Um, Winona Ryder preserving her her own dream and her own idea for herself. Exactly. And then exactly. like the kind of the nice little button that it ends on. Um, it's not my favorite, but I def I like it a lot, and I was very charmed by it. Um, I guess we should also say if you really don't want spoilers for this oh, movie, shoot. don't just don't listen to this part right now. Watch the movie yeah. and then come back. There aren't really spoil. Well, there are kind of spoilers that happen throughout, but this is not a movie that is really spoiler heavy at all. So. Yeah. I would say up to you. If you haven't seen the movie, definitely go see the movie and listen to this part after, I would say. But if you know that you're just a fucking diehard, it's on the list person, and you're not, you know, sticking around for the movie, you're here for the Noah and Mason, you know, commentary and debriefing about it, fine. Do what you will. It's not a, it's like, you know, it's like watching Tokyo Story. You can be, tell someone yeah, what yeah, happens yeah. in Tokyo Story, but you're not going to spoil the experience of Tokyo it's, Story. It, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, just worth mentioning, but I agree with you. That, yeah. that moment at the end where Jenna Rollins tells Winona Ryder, like, we want to cast you in a Hollywood movie. And she goes, no, I'm good. And she says, everyone wants to be a movie star. And she just kind of looks at her like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Not everyone wants to be a movie star. (laughs) Some people just want to be a female mechanic in the 90s. They want to be a mechanic. She wants to have her own. She wants to have like, she wants to be a mechanic. Did she say she wants to have her own shop? 
I don't know if she ever specifies it, but she says like, you know, why do you want? Why are you being a taxi driver? No one wants to be a taxi driver. She's like, that's true. No one wants to be a taxi driver. I'm actually trying to be a mechanic. And she's yeah. like, yeah, I just love like working with cars. I like fix this. I like fix this bad boy up. This morning, she like tells her boss like this car is like a piece of shit. Like when she's on the phone with him before yeah. Jenna gets in the car. Um, so yeah, this is a this is a very nice intro to the movie. I think I think it's a nice little table setter for what you can expect later in the movie. Right. Would you say that's a fair like assessment of this first vignette? Yeah, I yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. It's it's a good it kind of sets the tone. It doesn't spend and this kind of is the same for the rest of the the shorts I feel. Takes its time, doesn't ask you for much more than that and then is really quick to move on, which I like. I I think this movie moves at a, a pretty quick pace, a pretty brief or uh maybe not a pretty brief pace, but it's it has a uh, once you're in the rhythm of it, um, it sustains that, and you can kind of just like kind of be comfortable watching this, which is something I really liked about it. And you're 100 percent right with the word rhythm because these movies, all five of them, each have their own unique rhythm to them. And yeah. the in Jim Jarmusch's movies as a whole, that's why they're I think they're tough nuts to crack at first, and he's a little bit can be a little bit polarizing and a little bit abrasive and off putting at times, is because his movies do kind of move at their own rhythm and they do take a little bit of a temperature check and a little bit getting used to but if you're able to stick with them i think there's some really rewarding movies in his catalog and so uh if you were like me and hated stranger than paradise when you first watched it give some of his other ones a shot i really just think that there's a lot to be discovered within his work and i think in this movie especially yeah um but this is a good little vignette this is like kind of middle of the pack for me as far as where they rank uh in the vignettes themselves I think that's about the same for me, too. It's probably my third, maybe third or fourth favorite. For um, me, it's three or four. Probably yeah. four if I'm being like, you know, put a fucking gun to my head <laughs> and rank, the, rank yeah. the vignettes in Night on Earth. But probably this is four for me, I would yeah, say. Yeah, me too. Me too. Should we move on? Definitely. Moving on. Oh, another thing that we should mention before you actually dive into the L.A. thing, a really fun intro with the world you literally see the globe That's right yeah spinning and it kind of sets off a little bit of more of a playful attitude than i think some of his other movies do i think some of his yeah other you have that come t- across as like dark and brooding at times but this is playful right off the bat exactly and you have we have not mentioned yet the music is done by tom waits and i like tom Fucking waits legend. a lot and it's so yes. cool to have tom waits score in your movie he and jarmusch are buds which i love i love that they're two cool friends um, and I love that he, Tom Waits shows up in his movies and that he scored this. This is a great Tom Waits soundtrack on its own too. It is a great Tom Waits soundtrack. And that is definitely something I want to talk about when we get a little bit later, more specifically when we get a little bit later in, but yes, mm-hmm. you are absolutely right. The soundtrack in this is fucking awesome. He just, it, it, it feel, they feel like PB and J like you might not yeah. think, or what is it? I guess maybe it's not PB&J because you kind of just know PB&J are going to go good together. But maybe it's two things that you wouldn't think would go really good together. And then you put them together and you're like, wow. Yeah, that I, great. I, right. I guess the thing for, that thing for me would be like chocolate and mint. I love mint chocolate. Not everyone likes mint chocolate. You wouldn't think they'd be good together. But I think it's great together. I love a mint chocolate. Some people would say come and shit. Some people don't think <laughs> come and shit go good together. And then you try it and you're like, holy, sh- holy fuck. How did I not try this earlier? Uh, so that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, definitely. So the, same so thing. The, same thing. So the, <laughs> same thing. So the second vignette in this movie. Uh, 
Um, is New York City, John uh, Carlo Esposito, Rosie Perez, yes, Armin yes. Mueller Stahl, John mm-hmm. Esposito and Rosie Perez having sort of a mini do the right thing reunion, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I love to see them. I've been watching Search Party, um, and Rosie Perez shows up in the first season of Search Party, and when she shows up, I thought, you know what? I love Rosie Perez. I am always happy to see Rosie Perez. And when she, I saw her name pop up in the credits of this movie, I had a big old smile on my face. And then she shows up in this in this scene, has a little reunion with Giancarlo Esposito. And this is probably my, this would probably be my three favorite. Number three? The, number three, yeah. This is my number two favorite. I see that for you. Yeah, I yeah, see that. This, is, this one has... Really just such a fun energy to it. The actual, like, if you want to say what the conflict of this scene is, they actually resolve the conflict rather quickly. And the rest of it is just sort of enjoying the characters, which isn't normally something that I vibe with. But in this situation, it works for me because I know that we're not with them for longer than 20-ish minutes. And there's enough variation and enough change that happens throughout this vignette where I'm like, okay, I'm down to just sort of see Giancarlo Esposito have huge energy in this. I'm down to see Rosie Perez just have huge energy in this. And I'm down to see Armin Mueller-Stahl react to it because although it's interesting, I feel like although Giancarlo Esposito's character Yo-Yo in this might be our like in, he might be our eyes for the scene. Mm-hmm. I'm like totally attached to the cab driver. Like that is the guy that in this one yeah. is like, doing the most for me. I think you know? I think Armin Mueller Stahl has my single favorite performance of any of the vignettes. Um, okay, I think that he is the one that carry. He's um he's not so he plays a non-native English speaker in America. Um, in the rest of the movie, uh, you know, characters speak their native languages in France and Germany and, and Norway. Um, but he's the only one that is kind of out of place of, uh, out of place. And I think that the way that he perform he plays that, uh, invites a lot of sympathy, which is necessary and makes like, um, Yo-Yo, uh, who's a stranger to him before then makes his decision to like help this guy out, make a little more sense. Um, and I like that they just have, you know, it's another kind of brief encounter, <laughs> which I really like. <laughs> I guess yeah, these are all fucking... kind of brief encounters in a way, but um, yeah, yeah. I think that just kind of on how he can, how um, I think that shift happens because of uh, that you are describing because of um, uh, uh, the Armin Mueller stall character and his performance, because Absolutely. like before you're like uh, the conflict is this, yo-yo music at home and then it's like it, it didn't strike me until this the, sh- the short was finishing that this is what the point was but just kind of like um it, it, it's more it ends up being more about just like having a, a short a short a period of time with a stranger and then never seeing them again basically and then being alone in a big city after you have this kind of you know it, it this I don't know. I thought it was beautiful. Um, and I think that Aaron Mueller stole performance is a big reason why. I guess this it, is the point I'm trying to get up to. It, remi- it reminds me of being in college, going out to a party, and then just realizing this night could change at any given moment. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. something could happen, good or bad. Yeah. You even want to use those terms, those, those, those signifiers. 
something could happen at any given moment that would change the night and my life potentially. And that's kind of what this reminds yeah. me of. Yo-Yo doesn't know he's going to meet up with this cab driver. This cab driver does not know he's going to meet up with Yo-Yo. And I think their lives are very different having met each other and Rosie Perez's character as well. Yeah, yeah. Having all met each other in this moment because maybe the cab driver has a better idea of how to actually navigate the city and actually be a cab driver, even though he doesn't have any idea how to actually drive. But he gets a better idea of America, I feel like, after Giancarlo Esposito's character leaves the cab. And that moment where you're just alone with him in the cab after he drops off Rosie Perez and Giancarlo Esposito. I love it's really, that. I love He's that. just driving the wrong way, looking up, you know, at the bright lights and the fucking brownstone buildings of Brooklyn. Yeah. And it just sort of reminds you that America's got a lot of cool stuff to offer. And if you're not from this country, there's a reason why, in theory, you probably want to come to this country. You know what I mean? And that's very well executed from Armin Mueller-Stahl's perspective and Jim Jarmusch's and Frederick Elms, the cinematographer in this movie, who makes every location look like the best place on Earth. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. But yeah, that's NYC for me. This is my second favorite vignette. Shall we move on? Let's move on. Mm Mm-hmm. So number three, we go to across the pond, as they say. We go to Europe. Right, we are in mm-hmm. Paris, France. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my number five vignette. This is me. your number five. This is my number yes. one. I think I love this what? one. I love Why? this one. I because I th- I like a uh, ironic twist. I love a story that has just that is just twist upon twist upon twist. Uh, I love a a story. I, I love this the the character of the blind girl. Uh, or the blinding woman, and she, um, uh, what she teaches the cab driver, and I like that the cab. You start off. I like this is another one where the kind of perspective switches, where you kind of sympathize with the driver, and then the more you go on, and the more that you learn about him, you're like, oh, this guy is like a little um, hot-headed, you know, a little yeah, a little hot-headed, kind of a bastard, and he gets his just desserts at the end of it. Um, sure. I think it's just a fun kind of plot and it's the most fun I had. Um, it's probably the most fun I had with, uh, one of the shores, which is why it's my current favorite. I also think Interesting. that Isaac, Isaac DiBancola is also, I think one of my favorite performances in the movie. So interesting. There's just something, there's something about this one that just feels off to me. Like it almost feels mm. like this one of all the other ones could have been taken out of the movie. And I feel like it wouldn't have really made a big difference. I don't even dislike this short. I don't dislike any of the vignettes in the movie, but it's my least favorite Hmm. of the vignettes. And I think it's because it all sort of just feels like of this, you know, like you were saying, there's this ironic twist, which is fun. But at the end of the day, it's like, I feel like there's a little bit more to be said with all of the other ones. Maybe, maybe not the next one. Maybe the next one and this one are a little bit more on the same tip, but I have more fun with the next one, and that's the reason why, to me, the next one gets a little bit more of an edge than the Paris one. But it's not bad by any stretch. I enjoy watching it. I like the blind character in this. She is the best character in the fucking vignette, I think, by by (laughs) a country mile. No, definitely. It's my least favorite. It's my least favorite of the bunch. That's I that I, that's very I don't want to say that's surprising, but the fact that we were so split on this I think is really interesting. Um, 
Yeah, I I love it. I think it's just uh, I think it's just a fun little short there. Uh, moving on then. But before we move on, it's interesting. Oh damn! Oh fucking got you, bitch. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting that I've never been to Paris. I've never been outside the United States um, mm-hmm. in my whole life, in my whole goddamn life. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I've heard that Paris specifically is very hard to navigate. Like it's a, just a very hard city hmm. to get around like it's it's just like built weird and street signs are very like non-existent like that's just what i've heard my mom told me that when she went to paris i've heard that from other people who have visited paris from the united states at least maybe it's different if you're not from the united states but that's what i've heard so if you had ever been to paris did that do you know about that no i've never been to paris i've never been to europe i've been to canada but that's the most i've been outside of the united states love that for you yeah <laughs> uh love that for you chef um moving on though fourth vignette penultimate vignette is in rome roberto benini absolute fucking madman in his car are you gonna say (laughs) that this is your number five no this is my number two no way oh my god i cannot believe that sorry you are such a fucking bitch for that anyway yeah i'm a a little joker you are a fucking stinker ass bitch you're the stinker bitch you're the stinker Fuck you, Mason, so hard. But anyway, <laughs> all right. Uh, this like just this bit specifically the Rome one feels like a like 30s or 40s comedy throwback, and it just is like I think this is the most outwardly fun one of the bunch personally. No, it's I uh, I love this I love this one too. It's um, very zany. It's also in a, a very prolonged cringe comedy bit, which I really appreciate. I was like, how much how much more <laughs> it is what i love the climax of this is appropriately somebody dies which is the only thing that should happen after you watch this short where a cab driver lays out his entire sexual history <laughs> to a it's stranger funny. Usually it's when funny someone's just it's going a bit it's a good bit like that it can feel like silly or trite but it's actually legitimately funny listening to him talk about it and i have a feeling if i spoke any lick of italian it would be even funnier because yes. i could just watch him and kind of zone out and just listen to him while this priest dies in the back seat of his yeah. car. <laughs> Liter- yeah, literally dies. And just the, the weekend at Bernie's attempt to just get rid of him at the end is so just yeah. like, yep, I just can't deal with this fucking bullshit. I just have to like dump this guy and get out of the car. <laughs> um, but this one, I think is, the, I think this is the most outwardly fun one of the group. I think this is my number three personally. Under Gotcha. Gotcha. This one's pretty where funny. You, this one where was did my you rank two. this one? This is my number, number two. two. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, here's the big discussion that I didn't think this was going to be a big discussion. I, on I, but f- I'm with you. I don't dislike any of these. If I just had to rank them, this is where I'd put it. This number five and the final one is in Helsinki, Finland. Uh, this is my easy favorite. This is my easy favorite of the entire thing. But it's your number five. Why is this your number five? Just out of just just based off of how much I enjoy, I guess enjoyed watching these. I just rank them in terms of my pure enjoyment, um, or just how much fun I had watching it develop and as it go on. Basically, um, uh, I don't know. I'm not as into this deep of sad shit, you know, like this deep of tragedy. Um, um, in in or tragedy that's done in this particular way, it just didn't speak, didn't communicate really anything to me. I don't think. Um, gotcha. That's why. Okay. This to me feels like, like the most literary of 
the five. This one to me feels like I could be reading this out of Raymond Carver, it, or I could be reading this out of like yeah. a John Cheever short story book. You know? That ma- that's fair. I think that that's a good comparison, and it's very uh, Swedish in that way too, where it's fucking miserable. <laughs> it's just <laughs> pure fucking misery. Um, I don't think I, it's pure misery, though. To be honest with you, I actually think that the end of this vignette gives us a good amount of hope. I think personally. I, uh, well, let's talk about it then. I don't necessarily disagree, but I'm just kind of like, at the end of this, I'm just like, for me, the end of this was just kind of like, um, I don't know. I don't want to say hope was the right word, but I just kind of watched it. I'm like, damn, you know, the night is going into the day a new day comes and these cab drivers will have these different adventures, uh, different kind of stories. And I'm just kind of like. I guess I mean, it just my reaction to the end of this particular short is just kind of like, I guess it's different than my reaction to the end of the film as a whole. I think those two things are operating on different wavelengths for me. Okay. Um, I don't mind it as a way to close out this anthology just as its own, like kind of object, its own, like kind of short piece of fiction. Um, I was just kind of, Left cold by it, you know, because it takes... Oh! But, uh, but no, but I was just kind of like, uh, yeah, okay, I guess. I, I get it. It just isn't doing anything for me. But what is your... What's your read on the end? Like, how did... Like, just... What's so, your read on that? what happens... Because obviously all of you who are listening to this have watched the movie now, so I can talk about what actually happened right, without ruining right. one of your days. Uh, this is the last one of the movie. It's about to be the morning. It's, like, basically about to be dawn. Uh, as this starts, and the performance, I have his name here, and I'm going to absolutely butcher it, but it's Maddie Pelonopa? No, Pelon Pelonpa. Maddie Pelonpa, I believe is how you say his name. No fucking idea if that's even close to the right pronunciation, but those are all the letters. All the letters are there. Mm. Um, and you can tell, at least I think, right off the bat from his performance, that there is something m- hurting him. There's something wrong. Yeah. happening with this guy even before the passengers get in the cab and he goes and he picks up these three dudes who are just absolutely blitzed absolutely you know completely out of their minds one of them being really out of their minds so much to the point that they passed out they, they're weak into burning burning him they are they're exactly they're like how are we going to pay for this cab ride and then they realize oh our mate got laid off from his job and he has severance pay and that's how we're going to get home So they're bothering the cab driver and they're kind of being antagonistic toward him. And they're saying, you know, hey, you know, what's, you know, how can you say that his life is not bad? Basically, how can you say that his life is not bad? And he tells them a story of a premature birth of uh, a child that he had that ultimately did not make it. And his delivery of that absolutely tore me to pieces when I first watched it. And it was a punch that I was hoping would come in the movie more so in other vignettes. I was hoping there would be a little bit more of an oomph to some of these other vignettes. And that's what I think makes this one special because if that did occur in all the other vignettes, I don't think that I would enjoy the Helsinki one as much as I do. But part of me wishes there was just a little more oomph on the other vignettes to give them all a little bit more of that short story like tight package feeling i know that the paris one does with the ironic twist but i wish there was a little bit more of an edge to it as opposed to just like a you get what you pay for type thing you know 
that's fair. Um, and I think you're right that this is the one that has the most, I think, dra- um, not drama in terms of just incidents and things that happen in it, but I think just kind of, um, it's the one that's pulling at pathos the most. And I think before I watched this movie, just knowing it's kind of by reputation, I kind of projected that kind of pathos, that feeling that you get from this last one onto the entire thing. You know, and I was like, gotcha. I can only put up with so much of this, which is why I'm grateful it came at the end. I think that if I had come earlier, um, would have kind of put me off. Um, but yeah, I, again, I can appreciate it. I think the performance, um, of the main guy in his, in his name, I also can't tell Maddie you how to Pellin pronounce it. Yeah. I can't tell yeah. you how to pronounce it. He's really, really good. Um, it's just like. I don't know. I don't normally dislike monologues. I watch it and I was just like in the moment and in the performance, I think it's really good. But again, it just, just didn't leave me kind of with any sort of feeling. And I, and I am most appreciative that the rest of the movie was kind of far away from this kind of like pathos feeling. Um, I'm more just into the kind of just like, just like the personalities that you encounter. Um, and to me, I kind of, am, it's easier for me to identify with like the friends in this than the taxi driver. And this is kind of the only one where I feel that particular way about the characters in a vignette or that particular relationship. And I'm just like, if I was in a cab and my driver started going off about um, this topic, basically, or sharing some other sort of, personal thing like some of their kind of personal tragedy it would be um really sad and you would care about it in the moment and then the door would close and that guy would go away and i'm just like i know so much about that guy who i've never seen before and will never see again and that's just like it that just always makes me feel odd in a way not that i don't care but just kind of it's like how do I talk about that? And I'm just like with other people, like how do I share that, that that thing happened to me? And it just doesn't, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm trying to just diagnose this too much for myself. Um, but I think that's almost what I like about it though. Personally, like I feel like yeah. if that happened to me, I would be so like, Oh, I just got schooled. And that would be like a story that I would be able to tell people like, yeah, we had this <sighs> night where we were just sort of like, you know, you, you, absolutely blessed and that I we see. had this moment with this cab driver and he just took us to school. And it's like those little moments that just sort of change your perspective. This movie's all about little moments. And I feel like everyone. With, yeah. Yeah. Like everyone in this movie has a bit of a perspective change in all coming throughout it. Sometimes it's the passenger. Sometimes it's the cab driver. But everyone has a little bit of a shift. In this, I, and it's never I, in a big way. Yeah. You know what I mean? I Yeah, I agree with you on that point. Um, I think the thing that's different for me about just this last one is that lesson is never told to the person who needs to hear it, I guess. I think that it is at the end, though. And I don't know if he even knows it. Because at the very end, my interpretation of the way this movie ends is he gets out of the car, he sits on the curb, the snow on the ground, and he sees people walking out of a gate being like oh hey how's it going like i know you like i know you you're there mm-hmm. the sun has co- basically come up at this point the tom wait song is coming in we're getting that final needle drop and to me that's like 
things can happen in your life that suck that you can't control, but you get a fresh start at the end of every single day. You get a fresh start mm. and you get mm-hmm. to go forward and you get to decide how you are going to use that fresh start because you get a fresh start at the end of every single day, or at the beginning of every single day, I should say, when you get out of bed, whether you choose to acknowledge it that way or not. And that's what I think happens at the end of this one. And that's what I think that I take away from it is that this terrible thing happened to this cab driver and everyone in that cab is hearing it. And I think that that third guy, even though he's passed out, he absorbs it in there. He's like mm. conscious enough to like understand it. And when they, and I think the key is when those guys say like, oh, how's it going? Because even though he's lost his job and he doesn't know what he's going to do, there's people out there that care about him, even on this very small level. So that's what I get at the end of that Helsinki one. That's why it's my favorite, number one, pretty much very easily in this thing. But I understand if you're vibing with the other ones and you're not yeah. basically down for how this one does a shift because it is very different in the way that a lot of them, they're all different enough, but all of the same voice that they all fit. But this one is yeah. very different. I agree. And again, I don't dislike this one at all. On the whole, I like Night on Earth and I like all of the, I'm glad that I watched every single one of these shorts. There's not one that I would leave out. Like you would leave out the Paris one. I wouldn't leave out, I wouldn't leave out Helsinki. I think that it is kind of essential, even if it's not my favorite of the bunch. Um, But yeah, that's just, that's just that. Love that for you. (laughs) (laughs) Love, love that for you. Uh, Should we do fast facts? Fast facts. Let's do it. Jim Jarmusch wrote the screenplay in eight days, and the choice of certain cities were just based on actors that he wanted to work with. So I guess in theory, if he wanted to work with a Russian dude, we might see the one in Moscow. Or if we wanted, mm. if he wanted to do one with a guy in Tokyo, you know, we would, or a guy who's from Japan, we would see one in Tokyo. So yeah. literally, just who do I want to work with? Great, we're going to Paris. Great, we're going to New York City. Whatever. The names of the Finnish taxi driver and his sleeping drunken passenger are Mika and Aki after the, I believe it's Kurismaki brothers. I'm not 100% oh, sure yeah. either. But Aki and Mika Kurismaki. The Helsinki story is Jim Jarmusch's tribute to their filmmaking. Have you ever seen an Aki Kurismaki movie? No, no. Big blind spot for me. Same. These movies are, yeah. Same. Uh, much of Roberto Benigni's dialogue was unscripted. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Absolutely I, fucking nuts. That is nuts. Uh, Benini's interesting. Benini's interesting. He is interesting. The production hired a stunt driver to maneuver the tiny Fiat cab and do the <laughs> hairpin turn in one of the exterior shots in Rome. The turn was so tight the stunt driver couldn't manage it, even after many takes. Benini asked if he could try it and pulled it off perfectly on the first take. Hell so, yeah. So, pulling double duty there. You're an actor. You're a funny man. You're also a stunt man. Believe it or yeah, not. Yeah, brother. Hell yeah, Benini. There's two street sweepers who yell at the cab in the Paris scene were real street sweepers. They approached the crew while they were stopped to reload the camera and recognized Jarmusch. He was so pleased that he gave them the part in the movie. That's kind of cool. That's really cool. That's really cool. It's kind of nice. That is nice. Uh, for the New York scene where Giancarlo Esposito is trying to unsuccessfully hail a cab, the crew were worried that one of the real cabs passing might actually t- stop for him and ruin the take. But just as it's written... None of the cabs would stop, which just goes to prove anything can fucking happen in a New York minute, baby. That's what I'm saying. Any, it's, it, yeah, any racist thing can happen in a New York minute. <laughs> the original title for the film was, in all lowercase, L.A., New York, Paris, Rome, Helsinki. I'm glad they went with Night on Earth. Me too. 
For each city, the production needed two taxi cabs. One was an ordinary car for exterior shots. The other had a lighting rig on the roof to illuminate the actors inside, and the engine removed to make and the engine removed to make room for the camera and the cinematographer. This car then towed behind a van with the director, sound mixer, lighting technician, and script soup inside. I guess that's how you make this movie. It's pretty cool. Pretty dope. Uh, the T-shirt that Winona Ryder's character Corky wears has a seven-inch record printed on it. The record is the single Search and Destroy by Iggy Pop and the Stooges, released in 1973. Jarmusch would make a documentary about Iggy Pop and the Stooges titled Gimme Danger 25 mm. years later. Hmm. Oh, I can't even remember when that came out. Yeah, he's directed a number of music documentaries, Mr. Jarmusch has. He likes <laughs> yeah, working with musicians. Mu- kind of a music guy. Kind of a music <laughs> fuck. Uh, this was Jenna Rowland's first film after the death of John Cassavetes. Several of their mutual friends, including Ben Gazzara and Peter Falk, visited sec visited set to check in on her during production. How sweet. That's very nice. Last but not least, the Roman taxi driver Roberto Benini has an eight ball as the gear stick knob. In Down by Law, Benini played a character who killed a man using an eight ball. Wow. Little cinematic universe going on there, I guess. Yeah. Or a little, little Easter egg. Little nod, a little tip of the hat. The little tip of the hat the morning to you, laddie. <laughs> Mm, fuck. Little <laughs> <laughs> tip of the hat, little tip of the your hat that you wear on your penis to you, laddie. Uh, the Helsinki segment and good old world waltz, the ending track, are my co-Mercedes Valuable players for this movie. I know you and I disagree on the ranking of this, but Helsinki segment is my favorite, and the way that it ends with Tom Waits's good old world waltz, kind of perfect for me. It's kind oh, of a yeah. perfect ending for me. So that's my those are my co-Mercedes Valuable player. What about you? My co- I have a co-Mercedes Valuable player at all as well. I want to give a technical award to Frederick Elms. I think this movie yes. looks incredible. I think I love that it is a um, – that each city uh, – at least the two cities that I have some familiarity with, L.A. and um, New York, feel very authentic. I love that this shot – this movie opened up with a bunch of kind of establishing shots around L.A. and it's not just your typical Hollywood sign. It's like actually the city. And I'm like, oh, cool, like – this feels like the LA that I remember. This feels like the LA that I was familiar with. Um, and I thought that was very nice. And I love that this is how this um, films these tight quarters uh, in very creative ways and how they kind of make the space um, and distinguish the cities and how even though they're taking place basically at the same time, that these are somewhat different worlds, um, even though they're all in one world. I don't know. I think it's a very cool thing he did. The other thing... Cool. My Mercedes Valuable Player, though, um, is these these sensation of being in a car with strangers that this movie reminded me of and gave me the feeling of uh, either wow. being in you know being on a lift line, um, you know, back in the before times, or just really being in any kind of place for a period of time with someone uh, you have not met before and probably will never see again. Um, a thing that I miss. A thing that I miss. And, you know, you miss a lot in quarantine. You miss family. You miss friends. You miss going out. You miss um, feeling free to do things. You miss having money. You miss um, stuff like that. Very small thing. Very small thing, I think, to miss. Just having a moment like this with a stranger. um, Or having a bunch of moments like this. Maybe in one night. Um, And it's nice to have that, I guess. Uh, It's nice to have it. It was my favorite 100%. thing about watching this. It's a 100% a missing thing that we don't really have uh, in our part of the world right now. 
uh, and just a couple, not a Mercedes Valuable player, but I do want to shout out the four credited set decoration people on IMDb for this movie who are Fabrizio De Luca for Rome, Kari Lane for Helsinki. Yeah, give them the, give them the graduation clap. Johan Letineau, I believe, for Los Angeles, and Laurent Simon, which is definitely a butcher for Paris. Thank you, chef. Uh, the Helsinki one is not, or excuse me, the New York City one is not credited as far as I can tell, uh, at least according to this. But each cab has a distinct flavor to it, and that's where you yeah. spend most of your time. And it's a little thing. You're not really looking at that particularly, but it's more of a thing you feel, I think, more than yeah. anything else. So shout out to them as well. Uh, this gets a full recommend from me, Mason. What about you? This one also gets a full recommend from me. Um, I it's a full, Yeah, this one gets a full recommend from me. I had a fun time watching this. Uh, I think most people who watch it would find something in here to take take away from. So put it on your fucking list. Watch it. I would not start with this if you are new to Jarmush. I would probably start with Down by Law or Dead Man is what I would say to start with. Yeah, I'd say start with Dead Man probably. Um, or Patterson if you want something a little more modern. Right, right, right. Actually, or Only Lovers Left Alive, which you haven't seen. But I that was one of my first ones, and I think that that's also a good place to start. It's very cool. It's very sexy. It's got vampires. What's not to like? What's not to like? It's got everything that Mason jacks off to. <laughs> vampires. Yeah, but I would fully recommend this, but I wouldn't start here for Gem Rush. I would start with something else, uh, but definitely get to this. Although Dead Man is probably my favorite that I've seen of his, this is a close second, and that's why I brought it on, because Jarmusch Hell is yeah. a very interesting director, and I don't think this one gets enough credit, uh, or at least enough love, or talked about in the same way that Dead Man, or Down by Law, or Stranger Than Paradise, or Patterson do. So, wanted to shout this one out in his filmography. You got me fucked up if you think that there are other <laughs> movies that he's done that are better. There's one, in my opinion. But that's it, Mason. We, we did, did the show again. We did the show I can't again. believe that we fucking did another show. I'm me tired neither. of this shit, Mason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of this fucking shit. No, I'm not. I like doing the show. But Me too. Me too. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep doing it. Um, I'll go first this time, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Noah Marger. You can follow me on Instagram at Noah.Marger. That's dot D-O-T. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Moa Narger. You can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast, podcast about people's favorite things. This week on Thursday, a little bit of a landmark moment for me as a podcaster. Yes. I have my first guests on that I did not know personally. Yes. I sent a cold DM to he this sent person. a DM. He did. I did. I sent a cold Twitter DM to this person. He's a documentary filmmaker named Sean Dunn. Really have liked his work. I think I've even said watch Florida Man at the end of one of these episodes here relatively recently. Mm-hmm. And he's the director of that. And uh, I didn't think he was going to see it, uh, see the DM at all, but he did. And I talked to him. As of this recording, I talked to him yesterday. That episode will be out Thursday the 4th of February. We had a great conversation, real different kind of conversation that I don't normally have on my favorite podcast. We talked about LSD. Yeah. (laughs) A very different kind of conversation, but I think it was a really nice conversation to have. Sean and Cass Greener, who is a producer that he works with and also his girlfriend. So very Ah. cool. And they host a podcast called The Very Eight Podcast, and you can figure out more about that if you go and listen. Uh, But... That's who we got on my favorite podcast this coming week. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at myfavepod on Twitter at 
My favorite underscore podcast on Instagram. YLG stuff as always. That's it. My other recommendo, Bully on the PS4 store if you got it. Mm, or on, mm-hmm. if you're Mason, play it on your PS2. I've been yeah. playing it all week. Really yeah. fun. Bring me back. Mason, take us out. All right. You can follow the show at the links in the description. Send us an email everyone wants to. The number two, get on the list at gmail.com. You can uh, find me on my other podcast, The Barn, a podcast about the shield. You can find me on Letterboxd under my name, Mason. And you can find me on Instagram at HotDogDebicki. I would like to just throw out a little recommendo, also a video game. I have been playing yes. Katamari Damacy, Damas- yes. Damacy on the PS2. Brother, that game is so fun. I love playing that <laughs> fucking thing. I give myself, I play the game like half an hour, hour every day after work just to help me Absolutely. calm down. So much fun. You get, you are in a, you're on earth. You're also on earth. You get to roll around a little ball and collect things. It's a blast and a half. Um, so that's my recommendo for the week. Uh, otherwise, as always, Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, abolish, defund the police, save the post office, tell somebody you love them, or that you appreciate them, or that you're happy to have them in your life. Uh, fuck Joe Biden, and we'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Press all of the signs telling me.